Welcome to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every single week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, Reed was here, but he clearly did not like what I had to say because he said, do I have to take this from Sam Elliott? And he stormed off. I'm sure he'll be back. So while we wait on Reed, I would like to welcome to the show both a legacy resident of Woodsboro and arguably a next generation resident of Woodsboro. Friends and foggers making their Scream-A-Ween debuts. It is Jackson Harper and Drew Passon. And Jackson and Drew, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. Hello, I'm Nathan. Oh, <laughs> oh, a fellow... A fellow voice. <laughs> uh, welcome to Screamoween, boys. We're going to have a good time. So, Jackson, Drew, y'all argue about which of you is the killer, while I remind listeners that here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain, except for right now. When I explain that you can find all things foggy at thefearofgodpodcast.com, things such as, and especially, how to support us on Patreon. More on that in a minute, because who is this coming through the fog? It is the one and only Relaki. Well, I don't know whether I'm going to try to do a Sam Elliott. I think I'm kind of coming off more like a sling blade. And uh, I think I'm <laughs> all right. I think, I, I think I just have a frog in my throat. That's some uh, call it scream. Others call it stab. <laughs> some, yeah, that's a really good. Mm-hmm. You get well, it you know it. that's one said the knife is deep, other said knife is cold. Get it? <laughs> the frog in your throat—that's a throwback, Reed. You may not even remember. Oh, but the first time we talked about Scream Four, you and I and Nathan, yeah, made a joke about a frog—a frog in your throat. Yep. What? I forgot about wow. that. What? Oh what? my gosh! Continuity, and I didn't even realize. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Accidental continuity. Editor, editor's okay. note. Frog and frog and throat. Frog and Circa throat must appear Scream every four. time. <laughs> June twenty twenty one. Every time okay. we just, every time Jackson. That's the intersection. Every time Jackson and Scream equals frog. That's that's. I mean, just follow I'm it. going to Jackson. <laughs> uh, Reed Jackson Drew. We have some quick business to attend to before we get to our main discussions for today. One. Yes, listeners. If you're finding us for the first time today, welcome. And no, you have caught us at the perfect time because it is spooky season. And Halloween around here means we cover a whole film franchise. This time, the Wes Craven birth series, Scream. We call this series Screamoween. And last week, 
we covered Scream 4 for the second time, this time featuring guests Denise Smith and Vera Gowdy. But today, Drew, Jackson, Reed, and I will get our requel on with 2022's simply titled Scream. Today's conversation will also feature a patron-only segment of Reed and I discussing an episode of The Simpsons' Treehouse of Horror installments, the second order of business today relevant for all of you gentlemen on this call as well as hopefully some listeners is it is time for foggoween our annual <laughs> halloween party here at the fog or foggoween will take place on sunday october 29th at 8 p.m eastern standard time go ahead and mark your calendars how do you get to come to foggoween join patreon join our patreon at any level and you can come hang out with us and other foggers at this year's foggoween games laughs costumes maybe some prizes we hope to see you there all right boys mm -hmm. that's enough business for now jackson drew y'all um you know as previously mentioned continue bickering over who in fact might be the killer reed and i are going to catch up on our latest treehouse of horror segment and we will be <laughs> right back So, about this movie, uh, we are here discussing Scream, not from 1996, from 2022. And the Apple iTunes summary begins thus. 25 years after a streak of brutal murders shocked the quiet town of Woodsboro, a new killer has donned the ghost face mask and begins targeting a group of teenagers to resurrect secrets from the town's deadly past. Nev Campbell, Sidney Prescott, Courtney Cox, Gail Weathers, and David Arquette, Dewey Riley, return to their iconic roles in Scream alongside Melissa Barrera, Mason Gooding, Dylan Minnette, Jenna Ortega, Jack Quaid, and Marley Shelton. Dun, dun, dun. That gave like all the cast members. That gave like everybody. Mm -hmm. Which is appreciated. That's helpful. Did y'all see in the, you know, I don't know how much, it, how in depth y'all went. Um, I did. Uh, this is a, a gift from the lackey. I got Scream 5 on 4K. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was watching some of the behind the scenes material. And there was a brief moment where they, because, you know, they they just did Scream. It's just called Scream, you know, Scream. kind of mm -hmm. repeating a la Halloween, David Gordon Green. There was a moment where they at least considered kind of a Scream colon scenario. And at least according to what I was reading and the, and what was to follow the colon was the Phantom Loomis. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> no, it Phantom. isn't true. Oh, Thank you, though, but so no, it is. Well, the thing about it is, the thing about it is, there's no killing. Oh, there's hardly any killing in this version of the movie. It's his people in the semi circle talking about like space politics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> Phantom Loomis. I was proud of that. It's stupid, but I was I was proud of that one. It's good. Oh, I like that. Um, okay, so um, as we are prone to do, we're gonna invite uh, some history making. Now, uh, Jackson, I'm gonna start with with Drew here because we have had yeah, a little please. time with you, uh, Drew. Uh, first time on a full episode, but not your first time on the show. You joined us for a Stranger Things patron segment when we were doing our run through season four. Um, what is your history with the Scream franchise, and 
if you can share with us, how do you feel specifically about this 2022 entry? Yeah. Um, the, the first scream was a movie I always heard about. Yeah. You know, I knew about the mask and then like the cover was Nancy Campbell's, um, hand over her mouth. Yeah. Uh, which I would see that in all kinds of video stores. And, and of course, scary movie was big when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I was sort of, the first one was sort of parody of this. I, I I'm assuming I've never seen a scary movie or mm. a movie in the series. Named mm-hmm. Scary Movie. I think oh, yeah, scary yeah, movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I must have been about 13 or 14. Um, and um my mom didn't know about this for a while. I actually watched the original when I wasn't supposed to, and I was a little oh, boy. watching it. <laughs> and it was on one of the movies like channels, like it was like so timed or something like that. So like all the violence and cursing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't really like it at the time because I wasn't that into horror movies. Like I, I knew some stuff, but mm. um, it wasn't until the um, documentary. I can't remember what it was called, but it was, I saw it on the bio channel channel mm. and uh, they were kind of explaining how different it was and all the references. And that's when I was starting to become a horror fan at that point time. And then I rewatched the movie. Um, didn't really want the sequels for a while until the new one was coming out a couple of years ago. Um, and I didn't really like the Scream movies. Mm-hmm. Like, it's my second favorite horror mm-hmm. franchise next to Evil Dead. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, really cool. Um, so, real quick before we pivot to Jackson, uh, any strong feelings one way or another about this particular entry uh, per- as it relates to the rest of the franchise run for you? Yeah. Um, I got to say that this is the most special Scream movie mm-hmm. to me. Hmm. Interesting. Um, because this was my first screen movie for one in theaters and mm-hmm. my first screen movie to come out being a scream fan because Got I wasn't it. really a fan when four came out. Mm. Like, you know, of course I've already seen, you know, I've already seen the first one, but I wasn't like a fan like I am now. So it, it was, it was kind of special to me and this was huge. Like I felt like the marketing for this movie was a lot bigger than mm-hmm. four. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, well, they made a, they yeah. made a really, really big deal out of this one because um naturally the the last one was 11 years earlier and it had mm-hmm. been a decade since scream 3 so scream 3 comes out in 2000 then scream 4 you wait till 2011 and then west craven passes away and so it, i think it was broadly assumed for years that the scream franchise was just indefinitely dead so when things began to emerge that they were going to try to revive it but without west craven but with remaining legacy characters i i do think it was kind of a, a a very very big deal in the community for people who enjoyed that franchise who loved those characters um to see what they were going to try to do so i agree i think i think it was a very very big push when this film came out um mm-hmm. jackson you joined us for scream four um yes for our what Sa- what scares us what saves us run how do you feel about scream five and re- you can feel free to refresh on your feelings on the franchise as you wish I mean, everybody that listens to this show knows this is my favorite horror Mm -hmm. franchise. Scream 4 is actually my favorite entry in that Mm -hmm. franchise. Mm -hmm. So when Scream 5 came out, you know, I was cautiously optimistic and I was not disappointed. (laughs) I really wasn't. And we'll get into this as we talk about the movie further. I don't want to like play all my cards just right now 
Sure. But this one, I, I felt so satisfied once I heard that the ready or not guys were taking over this franchise, mm-hmm. I felt heartened because that movie uh, has a lot of the same sensibilities as the Scream franchise. Yeah, it's scary. It's funny. It has commentary that it's making on society, and it it just fit. It just felt good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie. I went to see it in a crowded theater and I will tell that story later when we get to a different segment. Um, (laughs) But no, I, I love this movie. It's, it's one of my favorite entries in the franchise for sure. It's interesting. So Nathan, I'm going to do you the honor of going last. Um, Okay. This is my third time seeing scream 2022 and the Phantom Loomis, the Phantom Loomis. Um, (laughs) So, uh, Listeners of our episode about Scream 3 will hear how just absolutely brutally, well, I felt like it was pretty brutal, that I take that movie to task. Um, even by the end, like, not recommending it. So, I let me lead by saying there's a huge, huge divide between my feelings about Scream 3 and my feelings about Scream 2022. Uh, Scream 3 is very, very rough, very difficult to sit through. Scream 2022 is not. Stream, it, it's so well constructed. It's got a lot of great things going for it. Uh, it is really very tightly scripted, uh, plotted, great characters, great performances. But I, if I'm being candid with myself, there is also a divide much smaller in width between Scream 2022 and the rest of the franchise. One, two, four, and six. Um, and I am for me, for me, there is, um, I am eager to get into this conversation for a very specific reason is because this film, I feel like is very highly praised and I love this franchise. And so I'm very eager to hear people who love this movie kind of bring me on board with them because I'm open hearted towards it, but three viewings in, I can't develop the same energy around 2022 as I so effortlessly do around parts one, two, four, and part six, which again we haven't discussed yet. But um, so I, so my feelings are a little tempered. I don't want to give the impression that we're about to have another Scream Three conversation because, like I said, the divide <laughs> between how much I kind of don't really care for Scream Three and how strong I still consider Scream Twenty Twenty Two to be, um, they're they're very very different. I still think this is a very mm. excellent film. Um, it just I, I, there's a couple of things kind of holding it back for me. Um, three viewings in, so that's why I'm excited for the conversation. Um, Nathan, how about for you? Hmm. 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 Uh, one, <laughs> I'm just uh, rattling off these notes as I have them. Read about five minutes ago. Use the phrase "indefinitely dead," and I just think we need to register that with the copyright, you know, trademark uh, mm. as like a good band name or a good, mm. you know, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, work in progress script in progress like <laughs> indefinitely dead that's a good phrase we should it's a really great phrase <clears throat> it is um uh, uh this is what we call the poop sandwich right i'm gonna give you a compliment and then i'm gonna slap you around a little bit and then i'm gonna i'm sure. just kidding yeah uh <laughs> well yeah i'm still a little befuddled um oh oh that was the other thing i was gonna say is i love when you say when you feel like you took scream three to task like like your beating up a thing is most people's cranky. Like, like you do. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like true. if you go listen to Scream Three, you're like read 
Reed is, you're a beautiful human. You love coming out and be like, now listen, y'all, I'm about to go off on a thing. And then it's like, okay, diplomatic statement one, <laughs> diplomatic statement two. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Reed, feel, come on, man. I feel seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I see you. I see you. I see you with a shitty take on this movie. That's what I see. I mean, this is the podcast that gave Bless the Child like a six out of ten or something like that. No joke. So. No joke. Only here. Oh, Only yes. here. <laughs> Diplomacy is our middle name. Um uh yeah, I mean, one, I'm just thankful, A, Drew's here, uh, B Jackson, that you know, here's what's fun is I remember so when we recorded for Scream Four, mm-hmm. it had been years since I'd watched the the previous three. And we recorded four before five or six ever came out. Yeah. So it was kind of in a vacuum. I didn't have other than what I shared at the top of Scream Aween, my sort of personal affection for the era that the first Scream released in, and you know, ostensibly the film itself. I didn't have a ton of of memory to pull from, of affection to pull from. So our Scream Four initial conversation very much exists in this. It it is like the movie Scream Four, just in this. This, this little mm-hmm. island you point to out like, yeah, there it is. You know, that that yep. was my sort of experience of it. Well, I think Scream 4 is a thematic heavyweight of the series for sure. But man, I watched Scream 5. This was my second viewing of it. And because I respect the lackey and I know <laughs> he had some tempered feelings about 5, I rewatched it with that in mind. I was like, okay, yeah. let me just see. Mm-hmm. Let me just try to get on lackey's page and i couldn't i couldn't do it i couldn't do it you know why because it's a hell of a lot of fun and Mm -hmm. in fact um you know i will play a card here i said i think the overall execution is more textured smarter more fully formed than just about anything in the franchise i think it's a fantastic movie i'm happy to be here talking about it mostly (laughs) um and uh i just i love scream five like none of these movies uh, or uh, let me rephrase this all of these movies, each of these movies will make a choice that you're like, huh? Listeners yeah. don't know. I just scratched my head like a monkey at a zoo. Like, huh? Not sure <laughs> about that choice. Scream three makes a lot of them. So mm-hmm. I'm not arguing that mm-hmm. every single choice is perfect, but this one to me, if we're, if we're discounting four, if we're looking at this as a new era of the whole franchise, this particular one to me is, is almost as strong a starting point as, as I, as I think they could have done, which does actually lead me to a question here. And and, and we can we can bounce around. Uh, we can get to that. rights, of course, I, I, you know, read we've we've a while back kind of generally parted ways with likes, dislikes. But I'd love to kind of go through some of that just more pedantic oh, type, sure. type yeah. stuff. But mm-hmm. I do actually have a question. And that's just let's let's talk about the Phantom Loomis. Like, what are <laughs> what are y'all's takes on it? Like, to me. Uh, uh, I'll answer my question, but, but I, I, I watched it with this in mind, knowing we're going to talk about this movie and like on a certain level, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, still arguably a little bit neophyte in the horror genre, even after doing this for seven years. Uh, but I am a fan of movies in general. And anytime you got the phantom dad talking to the kid, I'm like, ah, ah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this is a way to get all skeet in here, but. So, you know, I rewatch it this time. I actually don't, I don't trip over it as badly now as I did the first viewing, but like, generally speaking, are we all kind of like, you know, it's fine. It's, it's, is it passable? Does it work for you? Like speak up. It actually ties heavily into my thematic read of the movie. Okay. 
That's fascinating so because it does. I don't want to say well. too much now, but mm-hmm. I'll let y'all talk. And but, uh, but when you first it, saw it, when you first saw it, how did it strike you? Were you totally fine? It when I first did? saw it, I was okay with it. Yeah. 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 Drew, what's your take on it? I think much like the killer reveal, um, it took me a while to warm up to this okay. aspect of the film. And I didn't even catch what um, Samantha Carpenter said to her sister about that whole relationship with Billy. Um, and honestly, and you're going to have to censor this. Um, when I first saw Skeet Ulrich, my immediate reaction was like, the f***? but i think um i think by now like i kind of like it because this whole movie is supposed to parallel the first movie where sydney um her past is haunting her just come back to haunt her kind of like with samantha carpenter her past is haunting her again because that's what led to her whole work because he found the diary um, that her mom wrote about Billy, and then I guess her her stepfather found out about that and just left. Yeah, because of her, he yeah. found out about it as she was confronting her mother about it. Um, yeah. Okay, so so Nathan, I'll I'll, I'll dive in yeah. here. You you asked, does the Phantom Loomis work for you? And here is here's my exact unfiltered take on on Phantom Loomis. I think it is smart, brilliant. My favorite aspect of this movie. Really? Yeah, interesting. Loomis and his influence, Phantom or otherwise, on the character of Samantha Carpenter is number one with a bullet, my favorite part of Scream 2022. And to be clear, I actually wasn't pooping on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I was more just kind of curious what everybody thought. Yeah. Um, because I'm going to have a couple of things that I will, that I will kind of try to interrogate about the movie that don't work as well for me. Um, it, it's interesting that we get to start on something that I think is is amazing about it. I I think this is really I think it makes Samantha Carpenter an incredibly interesting character. I think mm. the way she dialogues with Jackson, I have some thematic concerns, so we you know we won't unpack all this right now as well. I'm I'm very curious yeah. to hear what you have to say about this, but I think the way she dialogues with him and the way he dialogues with her is really interesting. Um, I will say this as a broad stroke about why my feelings are tempered about this. By design and by intention, so many of Scream 22's beats are similar, if not exactly the same, as Scream 96. So something like Phantom Loomis that is so unique to this film and is completely Mm -hmm. different is very energizing to me. I think one of my reasons why I'm held back a little bit is I. this is a thing I will own about myself, but when a film is constantly calling back to another film and it is doing so so often that you keep taking me out of it because you keep making me think about a different film than the film I'm watching that tends to Mm -hmm. temper my feelings. Um, It's one of those things where I call like, oh, suddenly I'm watching a movie as opposed to getting lost in the whole thing. And three viewings in, I still struggle with that with Scream 2022. There are so many things that I'm like, wow, that is just like the first one. That's just like the first one. Oh, that's just Mm -hmm. like the first one. Oh, wow, that's just like the first one. And because of that, even though I think, you know, the performances in this are outstanding across the board, I think the characters are great. So many of those callbacks happen. I think that's probably, broadly speaking, why I have trouble plugging into this film is because I'm constantly thinking about Scream 96. And mm-hmm. that's why, again, to close the loop and 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 hush up, 
that's why this stuff with Loomis talking over her shoulder, I, I'm really energized by. I think it's very interesting. And they deploy it exceptionally well in the next one as well, which we'll talk about when we get to it. But um, but yeah, I think that part's great. I think that part it really works for me. Hmm. That's interesting to hear you. But this is what's kind of fascinating to me and what I was uh, walking up to a minute ago when I was referencing my experience of Scream circa our Scream 4 conversation initial one is I remember, Jackson, you lauding Sydney as a character in our Scream mm. 4 conversation. And, and yeah. at the time, it wasn't like, that's a dumb take. I just didn't have enough context to appreciate your appreciation. And and I feel like, you know, while I don't know that I'm still where you would identify yourself as in terms of that level of affection, mm-hmm. I four through six to me are fantastic. Like six has yeah. some things I wish were a little different and we'll get to those next week. But but just in terms of accessibility, enjoyability, you know, and it's it's your 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 note read isn't lost on me of the echoes 22 has to 16. I mean, they did they did it in the name like like it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I thought this this time around, this was only my second viewing of five. They are very conscious of the star wars of it all in a way that is a little yes yeah big um i what you just said reed i don't feel this way about the screams but what you just said reminded me of watching the force awakens and i remember watching the force awakens and and probably about the first third i was like wow there's some interesting echoes to a new hope and by the end of it i was like oh there's no echoes. It it is a new hope. <laughs> you know? A new hope awakens. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, I, I don't, I don't feel that temperedness for me of Scream Five versus Scream One. In part, controversial take. Scream One holds a very specific, just sort of nostalgic moment for me. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm, First time saying this out loud in front of people who would theoretically jump on me for it. Oh boy. <laughs> I think I think Scream 5 is a pound for pound stronger version of what Scream 1 is, if that makes sense. Interesting. I think I think and and which is not meant to take away from Scream 1. It's simply enjoyability, pop it in, turn it on. Clearly Scream 5 doesn't exist without one, but right. I don't I don't, um, what few reservations I might have of one, uh, which is the beginnings of the Maureen threads. I just don't have at all with five. Like I can turn on five now. Like I would, if we were all hanging out right now and y'all were like, can we stop talking about it and go watch five? I'd be like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds fun. (laughs) Um, that that's just kind of where I'm at with that particular movie right now. But, but moving on from that, me, you know, meandering here, unless someone wants to respond, you, you effectively answered the phantom Loomis sort of question here. And, and, and that's kind of cool read because I, I was unsure what I felt about it. I was like, this is, this Mm -hmm. is a take, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. kind of a unique sort of thing. Uh, hilarious, uh, Nathan insert an anecdote here. Um, I, I think I've mentioned this before made a movie, my senior year of high school called shout, which was, um, (laughs) a poor man's recreation of scream one uh which you uh, need to post at some point i, I will i will yes, I'll, yes you do. be a little surprise <laughs> we've well, all heard about shout but we all want to see it too you'll be very disappointed but um but you'll at least be mildly amused <laughs> but uh what's really funny 
is when Samantha in Scream 5 gives her diary story, which is an insanely tragic insert in the middle of this movie like borderline hysterical but but arguably very tragic and sad so in shout fyi uh there's a moment where the lead character played by uh laura yeoman's uh friend from high school and uh i maybe our senior year prom date i can't quite recall what year it was i'm sorry laura if you ever hear this um uh where she's the lead she's on the phone because one of the dudes got killed by the killer and she doesn't understand why that guy got chosen to be killed. And the person on the other end of the phone uh, tells her, and she, in a just fantastic bit of scripting by yours truly, she says, what? He was the love child of a former relationship? And it's <laughs> it, it's utterly nonsensical, but it's, it's what these movies do to get from mm -hmm. point A to point B. And yep. that's what I feel every time I watch Melissa Barrera deliver this monologue. I was like, what? He's the love child of a former relationship? Like, yeah, this it's the same thing, uh, just in Scream 5. So you're welcome. So uh, ready or not, fellas. Um, who wants to just throw out something they like or dislike about this movie that's not weighty or thematic? Well, Nathan, real quick. Yeah. I'm not going to say much, true, and then you can go. Nathan, I will agree with you, and all the Scream fans can come at me all they want. I've been a fan of this franchise since I was like 17 years old, and I'm 40 now. I kind of agree with you. This movie is pound for pound more entertaining than the original. You know, we're, I, we're gonna Reed's about to mute our mics, Jackson. <laughs> not at all. Would, not at all. No, I I'm would still, I would still rank quote unquote the original above this one because it's the original. But if I'm going to sit down and watch one or the other, I'd rather watch five. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I actually, I actually, uh, Drew, you're oh. waiting to speak. I will, I will pivot the baton to you very shortly but just i i i don't disagree with that take like i like i there's a world where i just gave my whole diatribe about when a film is echoing another movie but that's actually something i can i can latch on to where i can say like well yeah it's it's yeah. coloring the same beats but it is doing so with less problematic material and integration it's doing sure. so arguably with stronger performances and if that's happening then this is perhaps the better iteration of that same exact template. The fact that I'm still so beholden to the template is a viewer problem, not a movie problem, is what is what I would call out. But hmm. sorry, Drew, you've been waiting to to speak. Oh, no, it's all, it's all good, man. Um, I will say before I get to one of my favorite parts or one of my favorite aspects, um, I gotta say, Nathan, when you do eventually release your cinematic masterpiece, South, at the end, <laughs> At the end credits, you have to put the song "Sal, Sal, Let It On." I mean, Drew. One, you're 25 years too late for notes. Two, that song gets used about three times in it, uh, one of which is in the closing credits. So I'm well ahead of you there, buddy. That is awesome. That is awesome. The, in fact, in fact, the killer gets in his car and turns it on. That's how on the nose we were. Well, to, to tell you a little secret, I um. I have meaning power where I can read mine. So I totally read your mind about. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. I will say yeah. One of my favorite things um, in Jackson knows that I'm a big fan of this horror podcast. They're actually my second favorite horror podcast next to you guys. Cause you're number one in my book. I feel special. Um, but um, it's the dead meat podcast. They make a cameo on here. Um, and they're like hey, one hey, of the biggest. Dead podcasts. meat is great. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, it's, so it's the part when Richie is 
sitting at his cleaner in the hotel eating pizza mm. and like James and Chelsea are complaining about the title of STEM <laughs> or the eighth one. And um it's um but it's really but it's called stab to stab like this one. It's Scream Five, but it's not called Scream Five, it's called Scream. And Chelsea's reaction to it. Um and you know, I'll censor <laughs> myself a little bit, which is like, it's stab eight, it's effing stab eight. You're not bullying anybody. <laughs> and if you guys are fans um, out there of the Dead Meat podcast, like that's like in line with their style mm. yeah. of um, podcasting. Um, can I do one more favorite thing real quick? Yeah, please? yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Yeah, yeah. I think her name is Mindy, the Randy yep. type character. Yeah, I love Mindy. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I love her. Um, I think one of the my favorite, or probably my favorite joke. Is the um um when they're doing the um the whole knives out like kind of thing and you're wearing the hat too, uh, Wacky. I yeah. am. Yeah, you're the only person I know that can rock a hat like that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, just let you know. And I appreciate it. Yeah, and I know this is audio, so Reed is wearing a hat that said a Ryan Johnson who done it from. <laughs> um, oh, from I didn't out. even know that's what it said. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But I thought, I thought, but I thought that joke was funny when he's like, "Oh, the nice out guy commenting yeah. on the um, Last Jedi." Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Star Wars movie. Very smart. Yeah, that was that was really fun. That was really fun. Um, I have a couple. I have just a couple. I'll, I'll breeze through kind of quickly. Um, I'll, I'll sandwich this a little bit. Start with some praise and and maybe squeeze in uh, a critique here or there. So I feel like the uh, the legacy characters here receive a tremendous amount of reverence this is a plus to the film uh their moments between each other are really ripe with a tremendous amount of great character work um it's some of my favorite stuff is when some of the legacy characters are doing it um nev campbell and courtney cox outside the house commenting on like what do you think oh it's a trap you know like those kind of you know know, it's just it's just great star wars everywhere uh yeah yeah yeah. Um, the uh the the Dewey and Gale scene when they see each other oh, and have a moment fantastic. is 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 just gold. Um, it, it's really wonderful. I love the reverence that these characters get. It is very obvious mm-hmm. that the people making this movie had a tremendous amount of respect and love for this franchise mm-hmm. and wanted to do right by its characters. I won't take any of that away from it. One of my probably biggest quibbles, and this is going to sound a little silly, um, I love this about Scream Four. Uh, we'll get there for Scream 6, but I love it in Scream 6 as well. Um, the script for this feels very plot and mechanical driven. It is a full, I, mm-hmm. I calculated it, that it is a full 30 minutes into this movie. The moment that I'll call out is when Dewey calls Gale. That is the first moment that we get anything character centric that is not simply propelling the plot forward for 30 minutes. Every bit of dialogue, every exchange is merely giving us information about the plot. And much of the script does the same thing. Um, That's fine because it's very well plotted. But when I've seen in Scream 4, they take these quieter beats to drift away and kind of just let the characters breathe for a moment about who they are, as opposed to it all wrapping up in trying to solve the mystery. I appreciate moments like that in this franchise Um, and this this particular installment is a little light on moments like that. Uh, so that's one of my little quibbles. 
Um, another thing that I would love, love the shot, love the scene. Holy cow, love the moment when it's revealed that it's Stumacher's house in the finale. Love That's that whole great. thing. It that, is a great moment. Yes, it's absolutely fantastic because they've they've cleverly subverted it all the way up until then. So when they reveal it, it's it's expertly deployed. It's really excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, two more quick things. Uh, one uh, one additional kill uh, like quibble that I would have. <clears throat> This is probably going to sound a little silly. There's two, but there's two last quibbles, and then that's probably the conclusion of my quibbles. Everything else after <laughs> that, we'll just we'll just be heaping praise upon it. Um, so one of them that is pretty legitimate, Mindy, the Jasmine Savoy Brown, who Drew was just heaping praise upon. Um, she's a great character, wonderful character. She does not suffer a fatal blow, but she holds no role in the finale. She is completely forgotten in the finale. Yeah, no. She's she she nobody checks on her. Nobody makes sure she's alive. She doesn't attack any Mm -hmm. of the killers or anything she is once she is once the killer is revealed she is literally forgotten she just (laughs) lays there and i don't think there's even a shot in there and i think that's that that bugged me a little bit because i love that character and because the character's not dead it's fine for chad because chad was outside the house and and the the next time we see him it's kind of a and you think he's dead yeah 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 it's kind of a dewy reveal but we know mindy and dead and she's completely absent from this finale. So that that's one quibble. Happy to take responses in a second. I just want to end with one silly little thing. <laughs> they break a huge rule in this movie. Matt Murray, Gory Gamer, called this out on our Scream 3 conversation. No, Scream 2 conversation. Uh, about who's an actor in this uh, mm-hmm. universe. And who's... Yeah. And there's a huge... Like, Tara is in the <laughs> hospital... Watching a freaking Dawson's Creek show, and it's Dawson's Creek. She's With watching Joshua Jackson, but Josh, Joshua <laughs> Jackson isn't in the scene. It's worse. Scott Foley, freaking, oh. <laughs> freaking the killer from uh, Scream Three, is in that's funny. that scene. Well, yeah, it's highlighted, and I'm just like, what is that supposed to be? Some alt world? Her brother is an actor in this film as well, and as I was like. What they totally broke. Well, the maybe in the Scream Five credits for Dawson's Creek, it cites uh, Roman, whatever his last name is, Roman Bridger. Not, yes, yeah. maybe that's why well, they would cite him there. And by the same token, yeah. By the same token, Mindy is watching um, the original stab, right. and when mm-hmm. uh, when Tara is going through the credits of the original stab at the beginning of the movie, it says Vince Vaughn played Stu Mocker, but he's not there, but he's not where yeah. Stu Mocker. That's exactly yeah, right. So, that's yeah, exactly that's right. I did not catch yeah. that. So maybe yeah. in that universe, <clears throat> that's Vince Vaughn. I know. Are Who we knows? dealing with the multiverse of all these kind of like, it's a multiverse of madness. Oh my God. But um, anyway, those are Scott Derrickson needs to come on and direct one of these or no, sorry, Sam Raimi. Wow. Sam Raimi, sure. Scott Derrickson would have directed Scott, Multiverse of Madness Scott's in a different just, universe. Scott's ears just tingled a little bit there when you did that. <laughs> so Somewhere. I think that ends. Someone's making a Doctor Strange uh, reference about me. So I, th- I think that I think that largely ends my ends my commentary. That would be more superficial stuff until that ain't right. I just have one little fun thing. Uh, I, you were talking about the reverence for the uh, legacy characters. Mm-hmm. So I just want to mention. Heather Matarazzo coming in and saying, ooh, suspects. Yes. <laughs> oh, is that Randy's sister? Yeah. So, run a lot of so proud. <laughs> so great. So great. Rita, and and 
you'd probably say, well, I, I won't say what, like there, there, maybe there's a world where you'd say, we'll do it better than, and I can respect that. But like, I think what's interesting about this entry though, to your point about the plotting, the mechanical mm-hmm. nature of perhaps the first half hour is like in the way that this time around, whatever empathy I could find for Scream 3, you know, centered on a few real key points. One of them was, oh, okay, Carrie Fisher's in here because Star Wars, like the, the some of the weird echoes that uh, Scream 3 has, you know, revelation of sibling characters, that kind of thing. Uh, it's a third installment in which you do that. Like, I can't get away. Wat- watching it this time, I was like, man, they are playing so hard with the star wars toys here uh, mm-hmm. uh however mm-hmm. shadow play they're doing it and and to the point that force awakens doesn't just uh blueprint new hope it also builds brand new characters you know and and so yeah I, again that's not me trying to take away your criticism uh, as much as just soft how i would soften that is just like well you know this isn't scream four I don't know what the conversation was around the production of Scream 4 with it needing or wanting or intending to be beyond itself. Uh, but this is clearly we're building a new cast that we're a next generation, yeah. as it were. Um, and which, which again, isn't to dismiss your note other than to say for me, how I would rationalize that is just they're doing a little more lifting to mm-hmm. get some pe- some puzzle pieces in play. And you are absolutely right. They're mechanical puzzle pieces before we start yeah. getting actual character choices, determining action. Yeah. And actually, I, I I can show some grace to that. And I and I I would merely put an asterisk. I, I actually don't disagree with what you're saying. I would merely put an asterisk on say and say you can do both. Like you can yeah, you yeah. can deploy it with softer character moments, um, as as opposed to merely we need to find out the details, we need to find out the facts, we need to get the suspect list, we need to do all that. Like, um, yeah, that's 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 really my only thing. And again, I risk coming off as if I don't like this movie. I like this movie a lot. I think there's a lot of great things about this movie. But um, but yeah, those are just a few <laughs> notes that I think hold it back from other entries where I would just be getting lost in it and loving the experience of rewatching it and all of that where these things kind of stand out to me. Well, let me, uh, uh, let me throw out a few on the likes pile here. One is I, I love... Um, I love the teaser in this one. You know, I mentioned mm-hmm. during Scream... Or I can't remember if it was three or four where I just sort of, you know, was recognizing when you're iterating a franchise like this, how hard it is to play inside of the conventions already established and still feel fresh. And, right, you know, with um, Jenna Ortega in this opening scene, the natural presumption is, okay, well, you know, here we are, uh, a screen movie and a um, helpless teen girl in a house by herself and getting terrorized. And so I just love that the subversion of it, the new of it isn't just the character survives, but it is the character is central. And like, we've never had that. And and, and I really love that aspect of it. Um, The other big one, uh, the other big one I'll throw out here. And then I've I've got other small ones, but I want to let Jackson Drew throw likes uh, on the pile here too, or dislikes, whatever to me. And and we may get to a roadblock in the conversation where, you know, viability of who's in the mask is 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 discussed, but four points to this. But this to me, for me, five is the first one where visually on screen, Ghostface is a true menace, a true terrifying mm. visual presence on screen. I feel mm. like 
don't and don't hear because because I do think the voice like that's scary and the mask design is scary. But how he's typically used, how they Ghostface is typically used, isn't as well. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the word cinema here. I watch five and I think that's cool. That looks fantastic. Um, I'll point specifically, and we can talk about it more in depth later if we want. But the image of Ghostface in the hospital hallway is mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, when yeah. Ghostface is on screen in this movie, generally speaking, uh, you know, not literally every time, but generally speaking, it is a force and a fierce presence. Whereas in prior entries, it's either kind of just jokey or just kind of furtive uh and not a real imposing physical presence so i I just kind of love that aspect of the 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 visual language of this movie uh for me yeah that was definitely a really cool scene the hospital scene um it was cool that he had the boy changer actually in the mask Mm -hmm. and you can see like the the light that 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 made it a little more ominous Mm -hmm. um jackson what were you gonna say i was just gonna echo what you said about Jenna Ortega. What a revelation she was in 2022. Mm-hmm. She had this, she had X, she had Wednesday. Like we witnessed the birth of a new scream queen and she's like a tiny, Literally. tiny pocket sized oh, yeah. person. A bucket size. But, <laughs> yeah. She's a pocket sized person, but her screen presence is huge. And um, one of the things that I've, really first noticed watching Wednesday and then going back and watching this is her eye control as an actor, just what she does with her eyes, just these subtle movements. Maybe it's just because she has big eyes, but (laughs) she can express so much with her eyes and everything she's feeling in this movie. You can't help but feel it. She's, she's great. She's a treasure. So yeah. I'm going to pay attention to that eye thing now. Um, and now that you mentioned that, I'm thinking about certain moments in like X and like Scream 5 where yeah. um, her eye. I mean, that's like the most expressive part of your face, they they say. Exactly. But like she she uses her eyes in an incredible way that a lot of actors can't even do. Even Melissa Barrera who I think is great in these movies, but she cannot use her eyes the way that Jenna Ortega can. So pocket size person, pocket size eyes, I guess Um, (laughs) uh, I'm going to throw two tiny bits on the pile here and then we'll pivot into that. Right. And I'm going to take the first one. I just really love this movie. So I'm going to keep talking about it, but um, I, I love a couple of comedic bits in this. Yeah. One is uh, it's at the party and you know, all of these young actors are pretty good. Like, like none of them, you know, stick out as, as, you know, not that great or, or kind of a weak link or whatever. Uh, but the scene when I think her name's Liv is trying to make out with Chad, (laughs) she's trying to invite him upstairs, you know, to Mm -hmm. to go, go to second, third, fourth base, whatever it is, you know, these kids do today. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) guess because I'm not certain you're not, the killer i mean it's just a really <laughs> yeah. great little bit of of dialogue uh, so there's That's that hilarious. yes and then uh at the same you know it's the, still the party scene someone 
uh, referring to Richie, uh, who is the older uh, of the young characters here, <laughs> says somebody's goofy ass dad is kicking us out. All right. So, you know uh, whose yes, voice that please. is, right? It's Jamie Kennedy. Who? Jamie says Kennedy is the voice that says that line. You don't oh, see really? the character's face on screen, but it's an ADR from Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. That's, That's hilarious. That's awesome. Never would have known that. <laughs> So, guys, we've batted around some stuff. We've talked about the highs and lows of this movie. They've got more ground to cover. But, you know, lest we forget, we are a horror show. So, if it's gory, if it's gross, if it causes you a fright, it's time for the part of the show, Sydney, that we call That Ain't Right. That ain't sure as hell ain't right all right i'm gonna do it because it's both like and that ain't right right and in a way that i haven't in a long time for these movies we watch here bros dewey riley yeah that ain't right like yeah, this, yeah you still yeah. this one okay this yeah. one this one hurts <laughs> but what but the reason i'm bringing it up right now is part of my likes list is freaking David Arquette in this movie? He is yeah, fantastic. He is a joy to watch. He 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 gets to play a flavor that he hadn't really gotten to do yet. You know, he's done glimpses of this uh, in mm-hmm. across the series where he's a little more hangdog and sad, mopey. But like, I just love, I love his performance in this movie, and I'm going to call it out because I forgot to. But the great bit when they're at the house. Oh, man, (laughs) I thought that's where you were going. I was going to chime in. Well, he says, um, oh, where is it? Uh, There it is. There it is. Uh, He and Richie kind of square off at the house. And uh, no, it's it's Wes. 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 He he squares off with Wes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they're they're calling out suspects. And Wes says, you got stabbed seven times, dumped by your famous wife, then crawled into a bottle. I think it's safe to say you're on the suspect list. Maybe you're the killer because that cut deep <laughs> it is just oh, man. but oh. but yes my that ain't right and and uh, sorry not sorry to all who might have vouched for it is is it's <laughs> dewey man it it sucks it is a great very earned cinema moment but it sucks and yeah. it's just very hard uh to watch and i'll let everybody else talk about that if they want to yeah well that was my number one and you took it <laughs> It's okay. I knew I knew somebody you'll, else was. You'll forgive me. And you I threatened me. Drew that I would gut him like a fish if he yeah, took it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't think to threaten y'all that way. But <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and tell my story about that. Do it. Because the reason that it ain't right for me is not because his death is so gruesome, which it is, but it is. because of the way I reacted when I saw the movie. Because I'm sitting in a crowded theater and I went alone. So I'm sitting between strangers at this point. And Dewey, for one thing, uh, his last line of the movie, you know, Sam says, who the F cares? And he goes, I do. And then he yeah. lets the elevator doors close. 
Yeah. And as soon as that happened, I literally said out loud, oh, my God, they're going to kill Dewey. And I put my hands (laughs) over my mouth. And now I find myself in the theater ugly crying. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Over a slasher movie. Mm -hmm. That ain't right. Don't downplay it. It's that character. I, yeah. It it broke me. It totally broke me. So yeah, yeah, yeah that ain't right. True. Yeah, that, it that has that. One. It had to happen because I had been saying since Scream Four, like they've got to kill off one of the big three at some point. Yeah, and then they did, and it was not the one I wanted to be killed. Well, <laughs> there, there is some there is some mild controversy in my house because um, my wife wanted we we all kind of understand and agree it uh, agree with it uh my wife is of the persuasion that the legacy character to die should have been sydney i'm of the persuasion that the legacy character that should have died should have been gail and um so yeah the movie no, disagreed with both you, of yeah yeah basically, basically <laughs> nobody wanted it to be dewey like nobody <laughs> wanted it to be dewey but but it's like i mean i think part of why in defense of her take there not that it needs defending but it's just that like gail and dewey like you root for them. You want them to work right. out. You want them to, yeah. you want them to get together. And uh, yeah, it's just, it wasn't in the cards, wasn't in the cards, but uh, yeah, that one's brutal. Uh, Drew, what would you pile onto the, that ain't right. Um, So if you don't mind, I got a serious one and then I got kind of more of a funnier one. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You can do them both. No problem. Okay, so my serious one is um, I might be stealing yours read. Cause I know you, it references a particular movie that you like, that you love, but uh, it's Ghostface taunting Sarah Hicks and her son West, oh, and there's that psycho mm. reference when he when he's like, "Oh yeah, have you ever seen a movie called Psycho?" And yeah. it cuts to that famous um, shot of the of the sourhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's that ain't right, man. Like, like your son just trying to take a sour, you know. Yeah, yeah, like his mom, he's waiting for his mom to bring like Chinese food or whatever. Um, and um, you're about to get gone, gone killed. Oh man, it's brutal. It's and brutal. It, yeah, and his and, his, and I know we're not to this part yet, but his death is pretty cool when he's just stabbed. Yes, oh lord. Uh, what was your kind of silly one? Um, my silly one is at the beginning we're introduced to Samantha and Ritchie, and then Samantha kind of jokingly says to Ritchie that I stole your boner pills. You don't do that to a man. The two things in this world you don't steal for somebody either boner pills and beer. Wow. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get it. Ain't right. It ain't right. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> like. All of mine have been taken. Um, the uh, <laughs> that's, what we're, that's what we're here for. Um, so yeah, I mean, amen to Dewey. Amen to. I mean, my mine was going to. I mean, coming in like, had I gone first, I would have cited the Sheriff Judy one. Like, good lord, that whole scene. Like, man, dang, just the whole scene is brutal. Just a concept of you're rushing back home, not only as an officer of the law, but just like your child is directly being threatened. Like that that whole car ride is just just absolutely terrifying i'll uh throw one more on the pile just uh just the notion of the knife through the neck the you you referenced wes's death but wes getting that it's it's one of the gorier 
yeah. entries in this yeah. entire yeah. franchise. And yeah, that that right through the neck. Woo, woo wee. Like it's the the prosthetic yeah. department had their work cut out for them that day. Oh, no joke. No joke. And I'm just kind of mm-hmm. mad because look, she was gonna bring home sushi. Sushi's one of my favorite, like <laughs> I know, man. And, like that was gonna bring home painful. sushi. Edamame. And he stopped them, like, or Amber stopped him, whoever it was, whoever it was in the mask stopped him, just like the worst, the worst time. I even said to my wife when we were watching this, we're like, they didn't even get to have their edamame. They didn't get to have their edamame. <laughs> just a spread edamame. So anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, it, we can go. We can, if you got another one, you can name it. Do you, anybody, I, I got one. Anybody got another one? I mean. Uh, well, I mean. Go for it. I haven't really had an official one. Well, then do it. Oh, that's right. Yes, because you you yes handed. Because it. no, all of mine are taken. But mm-hmm. I will say, I would have. I don't think it's right that Kyle Gallner does not have a bigger role in this movie. Who who is that? He plays Vince. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's good. He's good in this. I I, I re- well, he's like a he's like a horror guy. Like he's okay. in Jennifer's Body, oh, yeah. he's in the Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street remake, he's been in several other horror movies, and he's yep. a really good actor. And he's in what two scenes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much, just barely in the movie. And I would have liked to have seen his death delayed until maybe like the second act. I would mm-hmm. have liked a couple more scenes with him because I really like his screen presence, and especially in this movie, he just looks cool. I know he's a, not a good guy. But <laughs> I would well, have liked to seen him be more of like a red herring. Maybe that would have been cool. Mm-hmm. So that ain't well, right. You, you might justice be justice for Kyle Gallner. You might be interested to know there actually is another scene with him that that's in the deleted scenes. He actually yeah, okay. beats beats the crap out of Dewey in the bar. Dewey shows what? up at the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He does well. Dewey oh, tries to stop wow. him, and okay. yeah, Dewey gets like one hit in on him before he he cleans house with him. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. And they I've pivot that the deleted scenes. Yeah. And they, they later pivot that into a, again, this was also deleted. They later pivoted that into a moment where after he gets killed, after Vince gets killed, uh, Sheriff Judy questions Dewey because of their yeah. altercation. But when they cut oh, the altercation, okay. they had to also cut the interrogation of Dewey because it wouldn't have made any sense. Doesn't, oh, yeah. Okay. It doesn't hold any, hold any resonance for it. But yep. um, I, I want to throw out here. I got, I got, you know, two, I'll mention the one. If anybody else has or doesn't, uh, I may throw out the other one. But man, Sam going <laughs> ape shit on Richie is that ain't right. Like, <laughs> that is rough. I mean, it's also kind of so right, man. Like, I was like, I, I, fair. I <laughs> yeah. I mean, the At degree that moment of ferocity is intense. Yeah. I mean, keeping keeping in mind, I love the whole Loomis of it all. Sure. Like, I mean, I don't know that we will do this in the epilogue or anywhere else, but if we were to catalog like favorite singular moments from the movie, the, you know, don't F with the daughter of a serial killer and then just bam to taking care of business, a high watermark for me. That is a great cathartic moment. It's it's actually, I want to see Melissa Barrera go into action movies. She has the perfect physicality to it. Um, I actually saw her in a movie called Carmen, which was like a movie nobody saw. It was like this very, very low budget indie movie Mm. uh, where she plays a dancer and she's a great dancer. I mean, I also saw her in In the Heights where she sings and dances, but she's good. Like 
she's very athletic. She has this very impressive physicality. She would make a great action star. So that's awesome. Yes. Well, that scene and the last one I'll throw out here is crispy critty, crispy critter Amber at the end. That is. <laughs> they just stole that from quentin tarantino yeah it, it's interesting because it was the same actor it was the same exact yeah, actor exactly in once upon a time in hollywood who Mikey Madison. Amber. yeah oh she, yeah, yeah. she's the one who in once upon a time in hollywood <laughs> spoiler alert for that film but her character has a Eerily similar, yeah, eerily similar demise in, in that film. Yeah, uh, just yeah. running around like a wild banshee, it getting flamed of, out, and yeah, it kind of reminds yeah, me of Rocky a little bit. Of what? I think in the first Child's Play, his half his face gets burned off. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, and that was their attempt to homage Freddy, Freddy Krueger, a la Wes Craven, mm-hmm. sure. uh, in that yeah. sequence there. Yeah. Um, okay. Well fellas did you squirm did you wince did you squint your eyes real tight it was probably because of what we around here call that ain't right that sure as hell ain't right so uh jackson hmm. i think and I'm, i might yes and you depending on what you have but I'm, I'm gonna let you lead the charge on some of the depths a little bit with this you you said you're sitting on something kind of interesting Hinted that it has something to do with Loomis. I don't want to steal your thunder. I'm going to just turn yeah. the mic over to you. And uh, what what you got? What what does this film bring up for you? Okay. So I wrote a whole thing down. I don't want to read it. I just want to say it in a natural way. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I've watched this movie more than at least you, Reed, and Nathan. I don't know mm-hmm. about Drew. Because uh, <laughs> I like to watch movies over and over and over again before... I go on a podcast to talk about them. Um, But I noticed there were two thematic threads that I was kind of hanging on to. And I was like, I don't know if these connect in any way. One of them was about sort of toxic fandom. Mm Because obviously the killer's motives in this movies, they always have something to do with the themes. The other one was about Billy Loomis. And I remember a lot of the discourse around this movie when it came out was like, what, they're giving Billy Loomis a redemption arc? And I'm like, no, no, wait. Billy Loomis isn't there. He's been dead for 25 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Sam never met Billy Loomis. What Billy Loomis is in this movie is a projection of her own psyche. And then it occurred to me, like, the movie says it over and over again. And it didn't click into place until today that like legacy legacy is what the movie's about. Mm -hmm. Like Sam is Billy's legacy in a way, but also the stab movies are Billy's legacy. And so how do those connect? And it's all about, it's all about what we do with legacy. So contrast how, Billy Loomis acts to his own father uh, Mm. reacts rather to his own father's actions in the first screen movie. And also Maureen Prescott, who he ultimately blames for, for what happened to his family. He goes on a killing spree. Whereas you have Sam who is Billy's daughter and she is reacting or rather not reacting to what Billy did 
25 years ago or in the first stab movie or whatever you want to call it. And she is choosing to deal with that in a very different way. She is going back to her family. She is choosing to protect her sister who she left so many years ago. Now, this also plays into the sort of movie theme of the movie where we have these true fans of the original and they are not happy with the way the last movie turned out because of Ryan Johnson. And what does that look like? We've already talked about it a little bit. Um, but they are, they are so angry with the past that they are creating this bloody future. Hmm. And that's kind of where the two themes of this movie intersect. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to unpack the whole thing now. That's for all of us to do. Yeah, but sure. That's that's kind of my starting point with this movie is the way we choose to act upon the past de- determines the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think I'm going to yes and you a little bit there. Um, one of the things that I find really, really compelling about Billy Loomis's presence in this is that Sam Carpenter as a character is mm-hmm. haunted by how Billy Loomis being her father is going to make her like who yes. she is because Billy Loomis is her father. What is endlessly fascinating to me about his presence in this movie is you called this out, Jackson, the version of him that she is listening to is not him right it is her projection of him and it is only that and and we're aware of that but what's interesting is that it is still enough of a version of him that it Mm -hmm. has like these echoes and influences i find it again profoundly interesting that we are all living and present in the moment Therefore, we have the capacity to surprise one another. We have the capacity to disappoint one another. We have the capacity to um, do something that really endears ourselves to the ones we love and the friends that we have in our world um, or move in the other direction as well. And uh, C.S. Lewis had written in his book, A Grief Observed, which was his journals and diaries immediately following the death of his wife, he said he was worried about forgetting her. I'm not going to quote it exactly because I don't remember it specifically, but he said he was worried about forgetting her. And when people balked when he said he was worried about forgetting her, he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not worried about forgetting that she existed or anything, but forgetting who she really was, because now all I am left with are my memories of her. So now forever... All I am left with in this world, in this space, is her filtered through me. Not her, her filtered through me. So one of the things I loved about the Billy Loomis inclusion in this is Sam is really, as she's wrestling with Billy Loomis, she's wrestling with herself. But I think it's so creatively deployed that that is happening, that she's wrestling with her own tendencies. She's wrestling with what she's capable of. She's wrestling with what she's trying to run away from. She's wrestling with guilt and she's wrestling, you know, because uh, the choice that her mom made, uh, which, you know, calling it right now, the more movies they make, Sam's mom is coming into play at some point. Just calling it here. Um, Yeah. 
but the you know not that that that's a glaringly obvious opportunity but the um i think it is really really interesting for sam as the character that you know when she finally has that catharsis and she's like you know don't f with the with the daughter of a serial killer she mm-hmm. has to a degree reconciled herself with well this is the new role that i'm going to take on this is this is a part of who i am and i'm going to embrace that at least to a degree um and i just think that makes her so so interesting of a character and of a final girl mm-hmm. she is not merely a victim who comes into her own power she is somebody with a haunted history that she is leveraging to combat the current and present danger the current and present threat uh which i just i, I again i keep looking for synonyms for interesting fascinating compelling um it's just very rich but but I think a lot about the ways that when we ourselves are haunted, haunted is perhaps a strong word, but when we are influenced or grappling with the version of our loved ones or the version of people we have fabricated in our heads, we too infrequently recognize that we are really conversing with ourselves, that we ourselves, when we do that, are just putting on not the ghost face mask, but we're putting on the Sam is putting on the Billy Loomis mask to have a conversation with herself, um, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, it's not it doesn't beat you over the head with it in this movie, but it is incredibly compelling. Um, and uh, and I think, yeah, I, I just think it's really you know, fast. Uh, yeah, go ahead. One, I'm just loving this conversation. But um, recently in our home, an interesting topic came up and my wife is very into like personality types and mm. you know we talk she talks she knows a lot about the enneagram i absorb a lot through her about the enneagram um and you know we talk about it with the kids occasionally and just like you know our our, our oldest and and some of the you know just social anxiety teenage stuff that that she deals with and and recently reed just made me think of this with just that that presence of Billy and um, uh, Sam in this movie, somehow the notion of the inner monologue came up Mm. and it was funny because they asked me, they, my wife and um, our oldest kid asked me, they were like, well, you know, asking, does everyone have an inner monologue? And in the moment I, I, I sort of affirmed it, but then the more they talked about how it manifests for them. Yeah. I was like, Oh no, I, no, I don't, I don't, I don't have that. And uh, <laughs> and <laughs> you could tell there was some there was some resentment. Part of it, they're like, my my wife gives me crap sometimes. She's like, Nathan, you just you're just very confident in yourself, aren't you? I was like, Well, I, you know, you make it sound bad that way, but you know, it, it, like because to them, the inner monologue is this this constant nagging thing, this constant like, you know, yeah. questioning my oneself type of thing, this this you know, to use the, the Billy analogy here is like, you know, uh, how trustworthy is this voice that, that I'm hearing or, or right. that is me, right. that kind of thing. And, and it was just really funny. Cause I'm like, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have a phantom Loomis. I don't know who that would be, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds a little weird that when, when we, when we, um, you know, kind of honed in on it and I understood what they were asking, I was like, I, I can't tell if that, what that says about me, but <laughs> I, was like, no, I don't have that thing that you're describing there. That's um, really funny. Uh, yeah, to kind of expand on what you guys were saying, I'll kind of get to my personal thoughts on thematic stuff. Um, is when you, Jackson, said that this version of Billy is Samantha's own rejection of him, it's kind of like Norman Bates in Psycho. 
That's like yeah. his own projection. And if you've seen mm-hmm. Base Motel, what that's not technically in the same timeline. It's you know its own kind of thing. Yeah. But it kind of explores that more because Norman Bates, like you actually see the conversation between Norman Bates and then the the version of his mom in his head, mm-hmm. and that kind of reminded me of that. Now to get to my thoughts. Um, one of the things that I really liked about this movie, like all the three movies, where each one of them talked about a particular theme or you know mm-hmm. an aspect of culture, this one is about like what you said, toxic fandom. Yeah, and there's certain people in fandoms, extreme versions, granted, that want to complain. Well, this isn't my Star Wars. This isn't mm-hmm. my Ghostbusters. This isn't my Little Mermaid. You know, Arrow's not supposed to be black to kind of keep things recent. But, like, I have a problem with that because it's not like Disney saying Halle Barely is your new Ariel. Right. Go on Disney Plus or pull out your Blu-ray for Little Mermaid, the original, and watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is complaining that like they're changing things. No, they're not. You still have the original. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was um, interesting. And then, um, Rissy says, "How can fandom be toxic? It's all about love." Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a contradiction. Is if you truly love the original, then in your own mind, just get rid of any other interweasions of it that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't like Rob Zombie's Halloween. I think it's one of the most disgusting <laughs> movies of all time. Because I love the first one. It's my favorite movie that I like to watch with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm I'm able to get rid of the Rob Zombie movie in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to be one, yeah. one of those people who's like, oh, the whole Halloween franchise is messed up because, you know, Rob Zombie and all that stuff. It's like, no, like, it happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. I can still watch the original. Yeah. Yeah. Drew, yeah. you are. I mean, uh, I mean, I've seen curse and return. Like if, if they thought zombie wing <laughs> one is what real franchise, they, <laughs> were just, they, weren't, they weren't paying attention. <laughs> I think too, like drew drew, I'm completely with you on your take here because, um, recently the, uh, and as of this recording, probably shocking a couple of you i still haven't seen uh the new exorcist film as of this recording i'm sure that by the time this broadcasts i will have seen it but um but i haven't watched it as of yet but i heard a lot of chatter when it was coming out to be like oh man they're gonna ruin it you know don't don't do anything with it and uh my usual response to that is i'm like if somebody else wants to play in that sandbox you're not gonna dent my feelings about the original the original is always going to be what it is i mean you may accidentally highlight its brilliance if you can't meet it if you can't meet the moment you accidentally might highlight even further how how brilliant that that movie is but i'm with you um the the there is a difference i think between and we can talk about this for a second that when we say like oh well fandom is really just about love i think what brings any love to toxicity is a refusal to evolve and change. I think that is, I mean, quite literally, it's stagnant and it's kind of dead. Whether we're talking about fandom or relationships or anything else, like if you say you love something and because you love it, 
you are unwilling to allow it to grow and and change, you're not in relationship with that thing. Then you you've collected it. You are possessing of it. And I feel like that's when fandom can kind of come into that what they call toxic place is when they just are refusing to let anything touch it because they're like, oh, well, once they touch it, then it's ruined. I think that whole mentality is is off kilter, is off base. We may have listeners who who feel that way. And look, that doesn't mean that you can't get mad at a, a sequel in a beloved franchise or in a beloved sandbox that you don't care for. Of course, you can get mad at that. Be like, that movie's stupid. That's terrible. But the idea of like, oh, well, they've ruined something. So this should not exist. They should never have done it. Like, look, they tried something. You know, they 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 tried to do a thing and and maybe it failed. Maybe it didn't work. Um, but they they tried to do a thing. And I'm a big believer in the idea of just, you know, kind of applauding effort, at least good faith effort. Um, certainly, there can be some things like cash grabs that are like, oh, this is not, <laughs> the, yeah. the, you know, this wasn't made in good faith. This was just made to to kind of, you know, like there's there's at least one Hellraiser sequel that was literally thrown together for like $30,000 because they needed to keep the rights. Something like that. Sure. <laughs> you can, you, you know, you can you can pounce upon. But I feel like fandom that is unwilling to allow things to grow or allow things to change um, is really just a, a form of, of possession. Uh, it's you've, you've tried to encase it in carbonite and you don't want it to ever, there it is, you know, like <laughs> Star Wars <is> all <laughs> over the movie. Um, the, well, and you don't want it to ever. We can come back to Star Wars in just a second. Finish <laughs> your point though. No, I, my point's pretty much done. I just like, I agree not only in the, in the realm of fandom, but also, when we talk about love, love, I believe, demands a kind of, hey, we are not staying in one place here. We are moving right. forward together. I, that, that's part of my yeah. conception of love. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I think it's easier for me to get past the Rob Zombie thing with Halloween going back to that. It because there's like three different timelines branching off that. Sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So it's like right, right. It I don't know. Just <laughs> give me Buster. Yeah. One timeline. <laughs> scene, like David Gordon Green. Mm-hmm. Like some people felt like kills and ends were good movies, but more like fan fiction. Did it feel mm. like a complete trilogy? Like, so it's mm. like, yeah, it's just so much easier for me to get past Rob Zombie because there's so many different versions of it. So it's sure. Like, just, yeah. Chill out, man. You have the original stab. Yeah, like those original Little Mermaid. Yeah, the original mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. All these other things. Nobody's going to take it away unless that's right. Yeah, I mean, like George Lucas comes in and like throws in like CGI. So they said, "Here's um <laughs> your new version the Phantom of Phantom Limits." Um, original Ghostbusters. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Jackson. What would you got? Well, what it really makes me think of uh, is the way that a lot of Star Wars quote-unquote fans reacted to the actor Kelly Marie Tran mm. from The Last Jedi. Oh, right, right. Rose Tika. Rose Tika. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, you can like or not like that movie. I like that movie. I like that character. I think she's charming and uh, a really good character, a good addition to that franchise. Uh, whether or not you like that movie or that character doesn't make any real difference because it's just a bunch of made up space wizard stuff. But <laughs> the way she was treated after that movie came out, like people like bullied her 
on yeah. social media yeah, it's for awful. months and mm-hmm. months. And she had to completely disconnect from social media and go to therapy mm-hmm. because yeah. of the stuff they said to her. And yeah. that brings me back to the idea of legacy is that do we want like, I like Star Wars. Do we want this to be the legacy of Star Wars? Right. Right. Is all of these people piling on somebody just because they were in a thing and they didn't like that particular installment? I mean, you know, they've probably done the same thing to Ryan Johnson, but Ryan Johnson being a white guy with a long and successful career at this point, like he's got more armor, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Kelly, Kelly Marie Tran, like this poor woman, she was plucked out of nowhere to be in this big franchise and she's yeah. good in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people were just mean to her for no good reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's the same thing as going on a killing spree, but come on. It is though. Here's the thing. It, it is though. It, it basically is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you're talking about like, and, and so listeners don't at me, uh, like, I recognize the difference between emotional murder and and, you know, what the Amber and Richie are doing in Scream 2022. But when you look at the ways pervasive onslaughts of cyberbullying and everything and and Mm -hmm. the damage that it does to people's psyche, you really are like killing something. Now, you you may not be killing a tangible thing, but you are killing the version of that person that could have thrived and flourished if they had either just been left alone or not dug into all of that. Um, so, I mean, that, that is, that is a feeling that I have that I kind of get a little passionate about that, that notion of, I've said it before on the, uh, I I think I even, uh, briefly referenced it on our scream redux conversation, just, uh, the, the cruelty that people can say, uh, and speak just Mm -hmm. outright, uh, is really bothersome to me and is the kind of thing that I do feel like it causes a death and it causes, uh, a, a stab, uh, if you will. And I feel like. That is something that if you take Amber and Richie as characters who are metaphorical of things beyond themselves, they are people who learned all the wrong lessons from any version of this being a popular cultural thing. Like they've learned all the wrong lessons from it. And I would say the same about people who would look at a character like that and then just completely beat the fool out of that character and out of that actor, you know? Um, it just really is is bothersome to me the way that something that probably for that actress, I've, I've forgotten her name just because it, I'm not as big of into Star Wars, but Rose. Kelly Marie Tran. Kelly Marie Tran. You've said her name like 30 times. But <laughs> um, that the, the, the excitement she must have felt being cast in a Star Wars mm-hmm. film. Yeah. And, oh, my God, I'm, I get to be in Star Wars, you know, like the dream that is for some people. And then for that to be the outgrowth of it, um, it is it's it's uh, it is a kind of death. And well, you, you yeah. know, Reed, I'm going to, you know, affirm for you why we're besties uh, over the long haul when <laughs> no, it's not killing. But to quote the movie Calvary, there are other forms of violence. And, you know, this is exactly that, like, you you know, we have this, this very misguided and to repeat the word been used a couple of times that the movie is toxic sort of interpretation that, well, it wasn't X like, well, sure. (laughs) Right. You didn't cross the literal worst bar possible. Uh, (laughs) That doesn't mean you didn't run headlong towards it. Uh, Yeah. 
absolutely emotionally metaphorically sometimes literally so yeah i mean it's i I, i'm kind of impressed with this movie you know uh scream five with you know what it's trying to speak to and because by the time richie and amber start divulging their master plan Mm -hmm. like i said i think scream four's uh thematic uh consistency is probably the strongest but mm. uh kind of beginning to end of the film but this one once you start to um the the meta thematics of scream 5 are very present and visible especially once they start sharing their actual motives and yeah. in, in a way that maybe a word I'll misapply here but in a way that's a little brave i mean like the mm. ability to you know kind of call out and take to task uh the, these things we're talking about in a in a horror film uh, right you know is 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 pretty impressive to me yeah um you know what else is impressive guys is uh you know old ghost face <laughs> <laughs> and uh his, it is time is his his ongoing kill list that just keeps growing although surprisingly relatively low body count in this one uh if Indeed. we're you know kind of looking at it this way so uh as we are going through scream Wayne, we are compiling i keep saying submitting to the sorting hat but truly it's more the goblet of fire if we're being honest here getting our mm-hmm. uh hogwart uh totems correct um uh putting names in the goblet of fire for uh the ultimate ghost face uh, hall of fame kills list uh each movie we're assessing ghost face kills not as happens in this movie amber kills or richie kills mm. ghost face kills uh whoever is doing the kill must be in the ghost face mask uh when doing so for it to qualify um i want wild cards too like you know the amber death is pretty impressive the richie death is insane uh, but they would not qualify for ghost face kills so your Indeed. candidates gentlemen uh and and ultimately jackson i'm gonna come to you first i'm trying to make up for my robbery (laughs) earlier um but your candidates in this film vincent schneider uh what was the actor's name kyle gallner kyle gallner okay uh i I said the greaser at the bar who likes live his mom is (laughs) leslie mocker Stu's sister Mm -hmm. He was posting creepy stuff to Liv's Instagram. He was peeing against a wall at the bar. The car revs up. (laughs) Red right hand comes on. Ghost face appears behind him. Quick stab to the throat. That's a brutal shot. That is a a quick kill. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm saying. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Ghost (laughs) face showing up. Uh, Next on the ghost face kills list in Scream 5 is just poor a... Pour pour a cold ramekin of soy sauce out for old Sheriff Judy. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know she gets a <laughs> phone a call in the car. <laughs> she she gets a phone call in the car. She gets taunted back to her house by threats to Wes. Uh, ever seen the movie Psycho? She mm-hmm. gets home. She rushes to the front door. Ghostface leaps out, stabbing her, then brutally stabs her in broad daylight on her front walkway. That ain't man, right. man. Speaking of that, ain't right. Next on the list is Judy's son, Wes, a a meta Trojan horse means of uh, uh, homaging the man, the myth, the legend, Wes Craven himself. Um, uh, poor guy, you know, he is just he's just setting out the dishes, y'all. Like like he's he's you know very <laughs> precise. Mom's coming back with the sushi and the edamame. He is prepped. He is hungry. He has showered. 
He's got the soy. He's got the chopsticks. I love, I do love the multiple teases of opening and closing oh, doors. And yeah. All the doors. Uh, yeah. The pantry, the <laughs> fridge. To the point that it, I didn't speak it on the that ain't right list, but the the jump scare when Ghostface is behind him uh, at the door. Oh yes, uh, is is legit. And then just that wicked nasty knife through the throat kill. That is not good lord pleasant. Uh, just because we needed a little more, and it does happen, and it is Ghostface, the security guards at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's a real character. You know, justice for security guard at the hospital. The apparently only personnel at the hospital that night. Yeah, um, I ain't even got Tara, t- Nope. Tara wheels herself out to see them dead on the floor, blood everywhere. Last but not least, Mm-mm. you can take him out of Woodsboro, but you can't take Woodsboro out of the man. Dewey Riley doing what he do. Man, that's what I, that's what I wrote down. Doing what he do. Do Wow, wow. Protecting people. That's a very David head. Arquette line. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> the head. You had to shoot them in the head or they always come back. Who gives a f-? I do. Man, man. The cell phone rings. You get stabbed in the front. You get stabbed in the back. Yesterday. Let's fall out. That ain't right. It's an honor. That's it. That is your ghost face kills. Lord of mercy. Jackson. Who are you submitting for the Ghostface Kills Hall of Fame? Well, before I make my official submission, I just want to say that, like, for a couple of super fans that are trying to make a legit Scream movie, they're not very good at being Ghostface. <laughs> Most <laughs> of their kills fail. So, I will, of course, submit Dewey Riley because he's the He's the first of the big three to die. I feel like we just need like a wands up moment for Dewey, you know? It, right. Um, it's it's exactly we like do. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't know if we'll ever get to see uh, Sydney or Gail die. I honestly, now that I've seen Dewey die, I don't want to see yeah. of them die. <laughs> right. Right. Because <laughs> I think it might be a little bit too much for me. But hey. This ghost face may not be good at being ghost face, but they took out Dewey and none of the other ghost faces have been able to do that yet. So yeah, pouring, uh, pouring salt for sure. Pouring salt into the wound. David Arquette was bummed. <laughs> he has gone on record really? that he did that. He did not want to leave the franchise. He was bummed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wow, huh. man. Anyway, uh, Drew, uh, who are you going to submit to the goblet of fire uh, for your ghost face kills hall of fame submission? Um, would have to be the first official call, Vince. Um, Vince, I mean, mm. to visit. Um, you know, he, you know, on the wall. Um, that's a vulnerable spot. Right hand by Nick Cave in the bad seat. Walk over to the car to figure out what the hell is going on, and then um, go straight behind him, wiped in the neck, and he falls over. And then I like the part when um. In the because I freaking love right, 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 right hand. That's my favorite Halloween kind of song to listen to at this time of year. Um, the part when he goes, You're one of microscopic cog and his catastrophic plan, designed and directed by his right, right hand. And um, that's when Ghostface stands over Vince, like, yeah. like the Ghostface fan in me smiles every time that that scene <laughs> happened because it's just so, awesome. it is so cool. <laughs> what about you, Reed? awesome um i do love that quick stab to the throat that's just like oh it's great um 
I, I got to give it to Sheriff Judy. That that one gets me. It's it yeah. it is rare uh, for characters who are not like our big three, like Randy uh, or our big four at that point. But like Randy and Dewey, obviously they get me. But Sheriff Judy was a comic relief character in Scream 4, not given very much screen time in Scream 5, but her death scene really gets me. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and not even because it's brutal when it happens, but the entire setup, the orchestration, the way she's lured in, the surprise of it, the broad freaking daylight of it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just, just, just so much. So, yeah, I'm... I'm uh, uh, eating a lemon square on behalf of Sheriff Judy <laughs> and putting her into the goblet of fire. Um, well, uh, I actually between these final two would have chosen who I'm going to choose. Uh, so it kind of worked out. I am going to choose Wes Hicks. Uh, yeah. I think I, I I like that actor. Um, mm-hmm. I that, again the scene setup is great. Uh, the 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 teasing aspect of the conventions we know from horror storytelling uh all culminating in just one of the most visually awful kills mm-hmm. uh, like like i could see a world where if we're not taking it on the loss of character i.e a dewey or a judy but purely on the kill itself i could see a world where wes creeps up you know top top half of the list come uh final hall of fame build uh so yeah for me i'm gonna pick wes and those are our submissions for the Ghostface kills hall of fame indeed <laughs> uh great listing out of this there i mean there aren't many kills in this and they're all great i think that is a testament to it um so that brings us to uh our fog meter which is our unique metric of rating these films on their gravity not their quality uh but what they ask of you as the viewer so we rate those specifically on the show with fear and god drew i'm coming to you first why don't you give me for scream 2022 your out of 10 your fear measurement and your god measurement you can give me both numbers at the same time what you got all right so i'm gonna go for my fear measurement a um i know this is a bull statement I'm gonna go a nine out of ten. Is, to me, this is the scariest screen. Cause there are so many parts in this movie where I was on the edge of my seat, especially like the the, the intro, um, everything leading up to West's um kill, like um the whole Dewey thing, like it it leaves you on your on your, on your edge of your seat and it doesn't it kill the brutal man mm-hmm. it's like oh my god like as soon as i saw the knife go through Kara's hand i'm like oh my god mm-hmm. like they're actually sewing like the knife like penetrate like 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 skin in this movie yeah. like it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty it's pretty airing yeah that's uh, i totally agree what would you give it for the god meter um netterbolt claim honestly i'm gonna go with 10 out of 10 man wow <laughs> I originally oh, was going to go with nine, but just everything that you and Jackson and um, even Nathan were saying, and then some of my, you know, um, like expansions on that, like it, it gave me a lot to, th- to think about. And I think this is the most relevant screen because we're in a really weird moment in time where um, a lot of like movie personalities on the internet is either like, really anti-woke like mm-hmm. kind of 
kind of sentiment. That's that's all I see. It's, it's mostly that the new people, the newer people are, are popping out. Sure. Yeah. On, on the on the space, and and that's unfortunate because you can have your opinions about whatever, but it's like, come on, like we're here to talk about Star Wars and all this other stuff that we like. Just like we all, we're all Star Wars fans, just just knock it off with this toxic fan stuff. It's it's, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. All right. Heard. Ten on the God meter. Jackson. Treat the same. Give me your fear measurement and your God for this. Okay. For fear. I've told y'all this. I don't find scream movies scary. I don't find most movies scary. So for this one, like it does repeat a lot of the same beats as the original film. So mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a six. Yeah. Heard heard now uh, for God, I'm just going to read you something I wrote in my notes that I okay. didn't say fully earlier, but I think it's, worth saying legacy is what we make it the past is closed done basically only exists in our memory and knowledge but the future is open and relies on our choices legacy is up to us so on god i'm gonna give it a 10 wow wow (laughs) fascinating um okay so I'll go next, Nathan, and let you round us all home. I'll do both. Um, for fear, I've already cited my primary quibble in that, uh, and 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 I'll even still hang a lantern on the fact that I broadly consider this to be a viewer problem, not a critique of the film necessarily. But uh, when I'm watching a film that is constantly mirroring the beats of previous films, uh, instead of dialoguing with them, which I feel this one does to a degree, but often will just simply mirror the beats um, that takes me out of it. And that includes how scary it feels. But I wholeheartedly agree with something Nathan said earlier that the ghost face in this is menacing again. He's frightening again. Um, And some great singular shots about just how his presence changes the atmosphere. Um, And so probably tempering a little bit based on you know uh my critique uh but then ramping it back up based on the presence of ghostface i'm gonna give it a seven for fear um for god i think the billy loomis thing is is masterful and gave me a tremendous amount to think about um i do sort of hiccup and stumble a little bit over so many of the similar beats um but i think there is a lot on this film's mind and it really um interests me a lot and i and as i suspected and hoped we've had a wonderful conversation about it so uh i am also going to yield a seven for the god meter uh for myself um so yeah that's where i stand nathan what you got hmm um i think this uh, because of my awareness, experience, and history with the franchise, um, as I've said recently, it does, uh, definitively of three, but to me could be broadly applied to one through three and arguably four, they're not scary uh, to me. Um, there's an aspect of thrill, mild suspense, you know, um, but but not actively scary. I think, you know, the the formidable physical presence just visually that uh ghostface provides for this film edges it out above the rest and so 
you know, I think relative to the Scream films, uh, I'm going to give it a seven on the fear measure. Um, I think that right now, four for me is the most, you know, uppercut, uh, beginning to end, powerful pound for pound uh, thematic entry. Um, uh, thematic entry outside of itself. It, it's mm-hmm. really doing a lot of work uh, outside of specifically Scream. And so I think for me, it will likely end up being the the strongest of the run just from that point of view alone. Um, so for this one, which isn't to say I'm disagreeing with what y'all are seeing there, I just don't know yet how well they're ultimately going to do all that do with all that. So I'm gonna give it a six on the on the on the God. I think it's there. I think it's interesting. Um, the fact that I asked the question and it led to, you know, worthwhile conversation signals that the choice itself to have the Phantom Loomis be present, um, you know, edges it out over some of the lesser entries in the in the franchise for sure. So I'm gonna land it a six there. Awesome. Well, that means that we give Scream 2022, uh, softly known as Scream 5, an 8 out of 10 (laughs) on the fog meter. That's a pretty strong showing. Yeah, it's a pretty strong showing. Um, But the more relevant question, would we recommend Scream 2022? Drew, coming to you first again, do you recommend Scream? Oh, absolutely, because it takes um, everything you love about the first one, kind of redoes it and kind of Scrims it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and um, that's a pretty interesting um, kind of stuff with it. So, yeah, definitely recommend. I recommend the whole series, honestly, if you want to. Sure. Yeah. yeah even, even three. I, I, I think three is a lot of fun, despite mm-hmm. some of his problems. The way you just said that makes me want to pace around a room and hop up into your arms, Drew. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, well, then go watch Scream Three. <laughs> that's what Parker Posey does to Patrick Warburton. Oh, that's um, Jack. Um, Jackson, do you recommend Scream? I don't ever recommend movies. It's it's a fruitless <laughs> effort. <laughs> it only leads to disappointment. Yes, of course I do. Come on. I know. I know. I know. Um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll go. I uh, yeah, d- despite my quibbles, which are really more just in relation to the franchise writ large, I strongly recommend this film. I think it's I think it's very well constructed. I I think I only touched on it briefly, but I think the performances in this are very strong. I think all of the acting performances in this are really outstanding, um, and the characterizations are strong. So I I really uh, yeah, I really do think this is an easily recommendable place. In fact, um, God, I love four so much, but if somebody just didn't have the time, I mean, take the time and watch the series, but I'm like, you know, you could, you could start with five. It gives you kind of most of what you need. Um, and, and I find that impressive in and of itself. So yeah, I recommend five as well. Nathan, what say you? Wholeheartedly. I mean, uh, like unequivocally, unabashedly, uh, more energetically than any of them up to now. Uh, surprising even myself like i just i i'm looking at the clock i'm like can i get through about half an hour of that before <laughs> i just fall over um you know i i think i i it's it's fun it's um i don't know it, it i don't know if it's a uh, uh the fact that it just caught me at the right moment or you know i was ready to buy back in i don't know what it was but you know i just really really enjoyed this entry uh so yeah absolutely awesome awesome well, uh, that means that we are 
near to the end. Uh, that was Scream 2022. That means there's only one more place to go before our epilogue, <laughs> and that is the Big Apple, Sydney. The Big Apple uh, going definitively out of Woodsboro to New York. Uh, it is Scream 6 next week. Uh, the most recent entry in this installment and the briefest amount of time between entries since uh, the first and second installment in the franchise. So next week, we are going to have a new cavalcade of guests and uh, we are going to be revisiting Scream 6 for the first time on the show. So acquaint yourself with that if you haven't seen it. Uh, spoiler alert, it's great. And uh, yeah, we will meet you back here Uh Jackson, Drew, thank you guys so much for spending some time with us this evening. This was a whole lot of fun. I really enjoyed this. Always. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Thank you both very much, Nathan. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, as always. Listeners, thank you very much. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We will see you all next week. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork, also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.